0: It's the real
1: word. It's the real word. It's the real word. It's the real word. We on a mission, and that's bringing y'all the truth. truth. Y'all the
2: Welcome to The Real World Season 9, Episode 13. Shout out to everybody that's yeah. watching. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Shout out to everyone that has been with us here so far. I'm here with my co-host, Introduce So. Hall,
3: financial advisor and partner to co-founder,
2: you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> of course, of course. Been here since day one. Also, we're here mm-hmm. with a very special guest. Introduce yourself.
1: Am Lola Waterman, a candidate for civil conduct here in Brooklyn. And nice to see everybody. And Kamel, I haven't gonna have to talk to you after this race because I need to get my financial house in order.
2: All right, well, <laughs> I can refer you. I got you. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And as you guys can see, we're back in the lab once again. Like we're not in the studio, but we're in a different location. Toast. Um, so toast. Yeah. Salud. 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 my water. With
0: my Salute. water. Salute. Salute. Salute.
2: Yes. So, um, once uh, again, we have a very special new guest on the sh- on the platform for the very first time, um Miss Lulam Waterman. You're gonna introduce yourself to the platform and tell the people what it is that you do and why exactly you're here and what it is you want to talk about. So go ahead
1: absolutely so thank you so very much for giving me this platform to be here as i said my name is lola waterman i am currently an attorney but i'm running for civil court judge um just to be clear i'm not running in the borough of kings county i'm running in a specific specific section of brooklyn that section includes Bedford stuyvesant crown heights fort green Clinton Hill and East New York. Mm-hmm. So you will only see my name on your ballot if you live in those areas. If you live outside of that district, you won't see my name on the ballot.
3: Some so tough I'm, r- I'm
1: running for. From- Go ahead i
3: was saying those are some tough neighborhoods for when i grew up <laughs> <laughs> and
1: listen it is but i live here you know so I, i've been in this community for decades so a little bit about myself as i said i'm a law clerk um, a law clerk means that i'm an attorney that works for a judge um mm-hmm. the judge that i work for right now is in supreme court here in king's county i've been with her for about six years now um i'm what's known as the first line of defense so, before you even get your case in front of the judge, you have to talk to me first. I'm the one that talks to the parties and try to get them to settle their differences. Um, and if they're not able to settle their differences, then it goes before the judge. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit about my personal life as I mentioned, I'm a resident of Effort Stuyvesant, I live here with my husband. Who is the pastor of Antioch Baptist Church on Green Mm -hmm. Avenue between Lewis and Stuyvesant. So for anyone who's looking for a home church, I have to put that little plug in there. (laughs) Feel free to to join us (laughs) and come and worship with us. We're there every Sunday at 10 o'clock. He's been the pastor there for about 21 years. We live here in Bedford-Stuyvesant with our three daughters. Um, and just that's a little bit about myself. I'm, you know, again, first generation American. I forgot that part, I'm first generation American. Mm-hmm. Um, my story's a little different. I was born here in the United States. Um, my family's from Nigeria. And so at the age of five, I migrated back to Nigeria. And that's actually where I went to elementary school and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my father to gun violence while I was there and um eventually i was able to come back here to the united states um i remember i came alone because my family was back home um and i basically had to pull myself up on my bootstraps you know um I went to college, graduated from college with a marketing degree back in Arizona. Um, When I graduated, I started to work at Kraft Foods. I don't know if you all heard about uh, Elvita, Kool-Aid. That's who I used to work for. So I did that for a few years, but I wasn't getting any satisfaction from that. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to volunteer in a shelter. Um, The shelter primarily focused on um, women that have been the subject of domestic violence. And so I would talk to them about their days in court. How did your day go today? You know, what happened with your cases? And that's when, coupled with the fact that I lost my dance to gun violence, that's when I really started to have the... um, Inclination to go to law school. So I applied to law school in New York. I didn't know anyone here, but I made that trek. Um, Moved here. I had $500 in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I had my two luggages and I couch surfed for like six months, okay, moving from couch to couch. Mm Until I got into law school, was able to get out some student loans to get my own apartment. All the way in, um I was in Morningside. Y'all know where Morningside is? Mm. Queens. And, mm. Huh? Queens? No, it's in it's in Harlem, like
0: mm. Mm. like
1: the eight back. past Biker Heights, like wow. up there, mm. right, like on two hundred and seven.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you grinding? So,
1: that's where I was. Okay. Um, and you know, I went to law school, New York law school, I graduated from law school and for me, because going to law school was my second career, right? Cause I was in marketing first. Um, so when I graduated from law school, I knew I wanted to do something that was meaningful. Um, I started my own practice, um, and for me, that was the experience that I had with starting a business, right? Um, Because having a law practice is having a business. I had to build it from scratch um, using, you know, my own employment benefits. That's really how I started my law practice. You know, I had some... When I graduated from law school, I couldn't get a job, so I started working at Lord & Taylor as a sales clerk. Y'all know those sales clerks? Everything you up when you go to Lord & Taylor. I was doing that. Grinded. Yes. I mean, I was doing that as a lawyer, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get to the next phase of life, right? So I did that um, while I was waiting for my bar results to come out. I was doing that to pay the rent because I didn't have no other choice. Um, I finally started my own practice. I, I was meeting clients in the library because I didn't have any money to get office space. You know, but one step at a time, I built that business. You know, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of sweat, tears, energy. Mm-hmm. But anything worth having is worth working for. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. So I grew my practice. Um, I started doing some intellectual property work. So that's like your trademarks and your copyrights. Um, with your business formation, I did that, but I wasn't making enough money doing that. So I went to immigration because I had my own personal experience with immigration with Mm -hmm. trying to get my family over here. So I started doing some immigration work. I started doing some, um, estate planning work, which is, you know, goes in line with what you do Cabell. So like Mm -hmm. with the estate planning, with preserving generational wealth and transferring that from (laughs) generation to generation, you know all about that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, my practice was centered on like really trying to help the community preserve what we have so i did that for a while um all this time i was in harlem and then i joined an organization known as the metropolitan black bar association um i started to volunteer with them they were hosting a program here in brooklyn um i don't know if y'all heard of safe surrender
0: But Safe
1: Surrender was a program back in 2009 that was um, started by the then district attorney, Hines. And they realized that there were a lot of black and brown people walking around with warrants out for their arrest. And a lot of those warrants were based on being in the park after dark, walking around with an open container, like little stuff that didn't really require arrest right But because people got tickets and got their summons they never showed up to court that converted it into a warrant mm-hmm. and what that means is that if you have a warrant out for your arrest and you happen to have been just stopped by a regular traffic stop they and
0: court. they looked yeah. up
1: your your yeah. records and they saw you had a warrant out guess what you were going to Rikers right mm-hmm. so a lot of people had a lot of warrants out for their arrest because of really simple violations and misdemeanors. So the same surrender program realized that a lot of people were nervous about coming into the courthouses. And so what they decided to do was to bring the court into the community using mm-hmm. the churches, right? So they would bring the judges out. They will bring the public defender out. They will bring all the lawyers out into the community. And so you would show up. So the front, the second program happened Antioch at Antioch Baptist Church, where my husband is a pastor, and I was one of the volunteer attorneys there. So people would show up with their warrants and everything, and they would actually have a hearing in the church, with the judge there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hearing their cases, and you know, dismissing those warrants. At, so that's
3: a church. That's
1: interesting. At the church. At the church. Well, so this is how I met my husband. I think, he, you know, he was checking me out while I was representing the he people over there. Under- he, he claimed that <laughs> like he was
0: not the out, but so we
1: know he was. You know, and um, that's how we met, through me volunteering at that program. And, um, you know, I mm-hmm. met my husband. One thing led to another. We got married um, a year later, and we have three beautiful girls now. So since I've been with him, you know, and before that again, volunteerism is really important to me. Um, You know, I've been a lawyer for 15 years now. It's really important to educate our community about their legal rights. You know, a lot of people go to court Mm -hmm. and they don't even know how to, you know, you you find yourself in front of a judge. You don't even know how how to start. Right, right. And, you know, they need to teach us. We don't get enough of the the civics training at school, Mm -hmm. right? We don't get a lot of knowing what our legal rights are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of people show up to court and they don't know how to prosecute their cases. And so what I've been doing, so when I was in private practice, I saw this problem just sitting in the courtroom and observing, right? And now, as someone that works in the court system, I'm on the other side. I'm able to watch people and see that people don't really have the skill set or the information they need to defend their cases or to prosecute their cases. Mm-hmm. But what I've been doing is these Know Your Rights sessions. So I do everything from criminal, um, Know Your Criminal Rights, Know Your Immigration Rights, um, learning about de-theft. Anywhere I see that there's an issue in the community, I try to organize an educational panel and bring in experts from all over to actually sit and educate people. By the way, I have one coming up this Saturday at the Seventh-day Adventist Church on Hanson Place on immigration rights. Mm -hmm. So if anybody is interested in coming in, we're gonna have district attorney's office there. We have someone from Catholic Charities, and I have a private practice uh, practitioner who does primarily immigration work. They're going to be on the panel, and we're going to be talking about a slew of immigration issues. For anyone who's interested, please feel free to join us there. I believe it's 88 Hanson Place.
3: 88
1: Hanson. You know, that's just a just 88 Hanson. And I'll send you the flyer also if you'd like to circulate it. Yeah, Yeah. so that's just a little bit about myself.
2: So Mm -hmm. what made you get into law? Because we see a lot of, like, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of women like to watch cop shows. Like like mm-hmm. um those csi shows <laughs> i can't even
3: lie I, I watch suits i watch law and order criminal yes. Minds. those are so what? i like i like law and order to svu yes. that's my favorite yes, um, special
1: yeah special but y'all might be too young for this do y'all remember matlock
2: no, we heard the name. But I never watched it. Okay, I so I grew up.
0: <laughs>
1: I grew up watching Matlock. Matlock was this white dude, right? With silver hair, mm. and he was um he was a criminal defense attorney. Mm. And you know, there would always be a case presented at the beginning, and you would say to yourself, "There's no way he's going to solve that or win that case," but he always figured out a way to mm. so always you win. Know, All almost all of his cases. So I grew up watching Madlock. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, I I was like, you know, maybe I want to be a lawyer. The law has
3: just been following you.
1: (laughs) Say say that again?
3: The law has just been following you.
1: That's right. It's been following me. And I started watching that since I was like 11 or so. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, I lost my dad to gun violence. You know, Mm -hmm. so for me, that also started to open my eyes as to what is justice? Mm
0: -hmm. What does
1: justice mean, right? So that put that bug in me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: like I said, when I started to volunteer in a shelter, that put an additional bug, right? And so that's when I finally decided that, you know, I, I believe that my role, my purpose in life is to advocate for people, mm-hmm. to educate people so people knew what their legal rights were. And that's when I decided to go to law school.
2: This is a Brooklyn superhero, I got to say. <laughs> so let's say. focus on that, right? Education and the miseducation of our people and the fact that. A lot of them tend not to know the law, and that's why we have to employ lawyers. Like, we need to retain lawyers at high prices at times.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And even the Bible says, my people are lost due to a, to a lack of knowledge. Why do you think of our people, when I say our people, African-American people, people that look like us, why do you think they are proud of their ignorance? Well,
1: I wouldn't necessarily say that they're proud I'm of their ignorance. I think they just don't know. You know, you just Ooh. don't know, you just they, don't
3: know. They don't, it's not I don't think you're they proud even, that you don't know. I don't even think they think it's obtainable,
1: honestly. <laughs> yeah, and, and that could be it to a certain extent. When you think about lawyers, you know, I think about I, before I became a lawyer. Yeah, I think money. Right? Well, <laughs> what are you thinking when you think like la- lawyer? We're thinking about lawyers in nice little suits, tailored and everything with I a little briefcase. <laughs> we're thinking money, yes. right? So, and, and all we we're thinking, you know, Lawyers who are assigned to us in court who are not going to pay us any attention, mm-hmm. right? Because they have a heavy case load. There's mm-hmm. no in between. Mm-hmm. And we all know that when you go to a lawyer these days for a criminal case, let's just talk about a criminal case, mm-hmm. they charge you anywhere from 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand mm-hmm. just to retain the lawyer.
3: Not to like, win. <laughs> right.
1: Just to retain. Yeah. Like, I'm a lawyer and I can't afford. To pay a lawyer 20 grand to take my case. Yeah. God forbid I yeah. end up in criminal court. So, let alone a layperson, someone in the community who's faced with a criminal charge or any other kind of court case, where are they coming up with that kind of money?
2: Exactly. Yeah, then there's court fees also. And exactly. Also other and fees to even attached. study law
3: costs a lot of money.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To study it. And that's why when you say, why are is so expensive? Mm-hmm. When you say to study law, you mm-hmm. know, we, we all know about the laws of supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that if lawyers have to pay so much money to go to law school, you know, to I graduated curve. from law school 15 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I still owe enough to buy a house, okay, wow. on my um, student loans. Wow. So going to law school is not cheap. Mm-hmm. So, when you come out, you're thinking about, how am I going to pay all the student loans back?
3: You got to charge. <laughs> right,
1: Yeah, well, right. So and so, these days, I mean, this is for New York. Yeah. I can't speak for other states. Yeah. But in New York, a lawyer's hourly rate could be anywhere from $250, um, $250 an hour to $1,000 an hour with the big firms
3: That's per hour. That's
2: amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. you need to work for a day. They do charge you every phone <laughs> call, every email, yeah. every, every everything. But
1: the emails, phone calls, they charge by every six minutes. Okay, that's how the billing is set up. But
2: so you said you, you know in
3: like a, um a program where they could get um education about their rights. Um, so, I know right. you said you're gonna send us the flyer for Saturday, mm-hmm. but it's like a regular thing for you, like monthly or
1: it's not a set specific time. Like I said, so what I do at the beginning of every year is that I sent out a survey to everybody that I know. And I try to get a sense of what people want to hear about. You know, sometimes people want to hear about estate planning. How do I get my will in order? How do I get my power of attorney and health care proxy in order? Okay. Sometimes people want to hear about criminal stuff. You know, how do I fight my case in criminal court? Sometimes people want to hear about immigration. You know, I came here with a, a visa my visa expired. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I'm in um, immigration court, they want to have me deported back mm-hmm. to my country. How yeah. do I fight that? You know, people, um, I, I speak to a lot of young men that have cases in family court. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, we have I have a daughter, I'm trying to get custody or at least partial visitation with my daughter. My baby mama is not letting me, you know, see my daughter. How do I get around that? Okay. okay? So, talking to them about those different things and organizing those different panels is important Um, but there are also many programs out there that create this um, know your rights panels Mm. that provide the information that people need
3: okay Mm. Mm -hmm. I would be happy to share the link on my page the surveys and all
1: Absolutely,
2: absolutely. So, growing up in Bed Stuy, right, and seeing the development, even the gentrification um, that has occurred, right, <laughs> um, and seeing how much Brooklyn has changed, do you think it's changed for the better for our people or worse for our people? For our people, not
1: for the better. Def- definitely not for the better. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. Um, I, think I used that, to. That's the real. <laughs> <laughs> so as a I girl. as I said, I live in Best Eye. That's yeah. the mecca of gentrification, right? Mm, if
0: there's right ever yeah.
1: any gentrification that I have experienced and I've
2: actually seen mm-hmm. it happen mm-hmm.
1: right before my eyes, it's in Bethesda Eye. Stuyvesant
2: Heights.
1: The, huh? You Stuyvesant Stuyvesant Heights, yeah, exactly. Came. I remember when I first got here on my block, there were maybe two Families that are not of color, that Mm -hmm. lived on my block.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Fast forward to about seven years later, it reversed. Wow. By by 10 years later, it was only three people of color living on the block. But the question is, how is that happening? How is (laughs) gentrification happening? Let's let's talk about that for a second, right? Um, I know the house right next door to me going back to what you were talking about ricky about ignorance
0: Mm. so
1: the door right at the house next door to me it was an elderly lady that owned that property right all paid for one of her kids comes around and takes out a reverse mortgage on the property let's say for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right Mm. takes out 150 runs to florida right with the money doesn't Mm. even give her mother not one cent of that money goes to florida now, mom dies. What did y'all think happened to the reverse mortgage?
2: No one pays it. I'm no for no one paid it. Now.
1: And we all know that with reverse mortgages, once the person that owns the house passes away, you gotta pay it back in one lump sum. You don't pay it back and it's no mortgage. They want their hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So what they're asking the family for this, the one that took the money was gone. Hmm. the others moved in there and they said well we didn't take the money so we're not paying nothing so they lived in there continue to live there what do we think happened to the property
3: <laughs> for it went grabs it went to foreclosure
1: <laughs> foreclosure and it was auctioned off for a dollars
3: okay
1: bought by an investor or a developer they fixed it up Within six to eight months, it was back in the market for guess how much?
2: Like 1.5? Two.
1: What? 1.3 million million. Oh, (laughs) so much more. So, not only did we lose our generational wealth, we added to the gentrification problem, and everybody else made money in
2: us. Except us, yeah. Yeah, he made made about 700K on the house. Yeah. Yep.
3: On an easy grab, just because of bad management, bad money management. That's
1: right. That's right. And so it's important with that ignorance, you know, and and I'm saying sometimes teaching us how money works in our 50s, that's Mm. not the time you learn how. Learning how money works start from birth, right? Mm. As soon as we have our kids. We need to start getting our kids engaged in what we're doing.
0: Investing.
1: Right.
3: Thinking in future, thinking long term. That's yep. what is yep. the hardest thing to and, get through. But we and gotta that get helps by
1: having them at the table, right? Like yes. When you're making deals, have your kids sit there. Mm-hmm. They may not understand it now.
3: I already tell my but, daughter now everything is a trade. You have to make yeah. sure it's a good trade. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the, the language that we use with our kids, mm-hmm. the environment that we put them in, you know i had a meeting with a, a city council member this past weekend guess what i took my daughter with me i need you to start sitting there listening to the interactions yes, going how back these
3: and people forth. how we talk yes right <laughs> yes. right
1: because that cannot be wasted knowledge and that's the way we can use to start empowering our kids
0: mm-hmm. who
1: prayerfully would grow up to be responsible members of society
0: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, gentrification is a real thing in Best Eye. We see the gentrification is expanding to East New York. It's already in Crown Heights. They're like, let's just forget about that. And, you know, it's Ocean Hill, Brownsville, East New York. That's where it's going now. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know? Mm. And um, when gentrification happens, you know, it started years before. It's not something that, you know, you, you see the effects of gentrification mm-hmm. years after it started and just,
2: point, oh we might cut off just as a heads up um it's at the one minute mark um so the zoom goes into 30 minute intervals so if it cuts off just reopen yeah. just re-enter the room with the same link okay okay sounds yeah. good yeah, sounds in a good. second
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. but man but I would say gentrification is not a bad thing in a sense where it's like if we get to stay there, if we get to own it, <laughs> if we manage it correctly. And right. I could say I seen that firsthand in regards to like my parents, right? Like my parents were able um, to purchase property and land in America and in other countries. Um, but even growing up as a youth, my father used to show me how to balance a checkbook and how to pay invoices, how to um, yeah. answer invoices, how to mail things, and how to. Do I, used those stuff. I used to
3: be there, man. You're handle the computer.
2: <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. So as I got older, now you know. Okay. Oh. We'll be right back in one second. After these messages,
3: commercial break. This is usually when it'll be a commercial.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, right. We got no commercials. <laughs> but we gonna work on getting some live. commercials. <laughs> There's a way to put commercials in, even when you live. I heard. Really? Yeah, I don't know how to do it, some tech people.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, if you know any tech people, um, you can email us at therealwordtv at gmail dot That's the real word TV yeah. at gmail get us some commercials, com. and you know, get us some commercials, you know, and yeah. that'll help us out a, a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, advertisement, you get your money up, we get our money up, you everybody know. Everybody eats. Yeah, everybody eats. We eat together,
3: like um, trick like thanks. Well, let me yeah. not bring up that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So what I was yeah. saying, um. Lola's, like my father he showed me how to balance the checkbook and he put that responsibility on me so whenever bills would come in the mail yeah, like used to it yeah we were used to paying it on time and that helped me like even now to have a good credit score be able to pay bills on time um you know balance debt do balance transfers on debts yeah like I had to learn all of that and even maintain the house you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like Morgan, like I said we have my house right now <laughs> so you know um just, now that i think about it. um Schools, well,
3: the school we was thinking about need to focus not just on social media and marketing, but um, life skills, yeah, pretty much and finances. Those
1: are
3: life skills.
2: Ironically enough, when I was doing my masters, I used to have a like, a class that I used to do during my internship at a at at a men's mental health facility. And it was called life skills, and I would teach them basic life skills mm-hmm. from, like, interviewing mm-hmm. for a job, how to tie a tie, what to wear.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I you know,
2: know how to tie a tie. I, I know, right? <laughs> like, all these different, all these different things I would show them, and I called call the group life skills. And you would think that these are basic skills that people have, but they don't. Like, I remember I learned how to tie a tie from my cousin because growing up, my dad didn't know how to tie a tie. And then every time mm-hmm. he would get a tie tied, he would just – Open up the loose wider and then just hang them off. Oh, off oh of, so that was. <laughs> <laughs> I started
0: that
2: way. It was it work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then one day I used to come, I pulled them out, and one day he got upset. He's like, Why you pulled them out oh for? What God. I'm to do? No, then, then, yeah, <laughs> right. And then I went to church, and then um this guy showed me how to tie a tie. And then my cousin showed me too, and then I just got used to it. And then I'm like, Okay, but even that as simple as it is, it makes a big right. deal time and oh, time. It sure enough does. And wearing a suit and it, putting it, things together. It, right. it
3: pretty much speaks about what job
2: you're going for. <laughs> yeah. And how serious you take yourself right. and how yeah. serious right. others are going to take
1: And that's why they say it takes a village, right? right. Um, yeah. Like you said, he went to church. Yeah. You know, someone showed you how to tie it, even though your dad didn't really know how to do it. And it takes a village, right? So surrounding your kids with people that can you know, exert positive influences and sow into their lives is also equally important.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, no
1: person is an island on their own. And so learning from each other, you know, also having the discernment to know who to learn from, right? Not everybody will be a yeah. positive influence in your life, but having the discernment to know who to include in your life, because as adults, we're learning too, right? So mm-hmm. we're talking about kids and learning life skills as you grow up. but. You know one thing that i do right now i can't only surround myself with lawyers right
0: mm-hmm. because
1: i want to be able to function in any setting that i find myself in so it's important for me to be friends with teachers it's important for me to be friends with judges which is where i'm trying to go to right because mm-hmm. i can serve as mentors it's important for me to have an interaction with the police, because I want to know what are the issues y'all are dealing with in the streets. You know, it's important for me to have relationships with other elected officials, with principals, because mm-hmm. you're kind of kind of tied that all in, mm-hmm. and that helps you to be a well-rounded individual. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like any skill set or any knowledge or any education is a waste. Mm-hmm. Everything is always beneficial.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, and, and it's just really important that we circle ourselves or, or surround ourselves mm-hmm. with um, people that can sow into us in one way, shape, or form. You
2: know. Well, i from speaking to her, I could tell she's you know well rounded. <laughs> so I guess this is the million dollar question: Why should they choose you? Yeah. Like, what makes you different from every other politician?
1: Well, so I'm not a politician.
0: Oh yeah. Like that <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: I am running for office, and, and that's the part that is still um, mentally still trying to connect to. So, you know, in some states, judges don't even run for mm-hmm. office, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in New York, you can also choose not to run for office and go the appointment route, meaning so the mayor appoints judges, the governor appoints judges, and then you can get to serve on the bench. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose to run for election. Like, I'm running for election. Um, This is my second time of running. I ran two years ago. I didn't make it. I lost by a very narrow margin. But I've learned a lot from that first race. Um, Thankfully, with this race, I don't have an opponent. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm not even going to be on the ballot during the June primaries. I will be on the ballot in November Mm -hmm. during the general elections because I don't have an opponent right now. So God willing, January of 2024, I will be a judge of the civil court here in Kings County, God willing. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, I just really have to thank the people. For me, being a judge is not necessarily about pomp and circumstance, like they say, you know? It's not about just wearing a black robe. I see it as being in a place of service, right? And service is all I've done my whole life. I was raised by parents whose communities, regardless of where they were, they I call them servant leaders. Um watch my parents give everything that they had to their communities. Since I've been an adult, I've done the same thing, you know, helping my community in every way I can. Even as a pastor's wife, right? Believe it or not, you know, the pastor's not the only one in service. First lady's also serving the people. No, <laughs> you know, that's so just cool. the way it is. Right. So, you know, being, you know, a pastor, I, I, I dope around with lawyers, like four people call their lawyers. The first person they're calling is their pastor, right? Then I call the lawyer comes after the faculty, your pastor tells you to call the lawyer, but
0: mm-hmm. you're calling your
1: pastor first. For and people. so for me, <laughs> You know, and my husband, once they call him, he's giving the phone of me once it's a legal issue. Here you go. Just like that. (laughs) We got a legal problem. Here you go. (laughs) You know, so service is very important to me. I feel like to whom much is given, much is required.
2: Tell me about it. Me being a judge (laughs) is to serve the
1: people of Brooklyn on the bench in any way that the law allows me to serve them. And I'm asking that, you know, when people ask me, what do we look at? When we're looking at judicial candidates, what are the things to look for in the judicial candidate? For me, it's a qualification. The person has to be qualified. The person has to have empathy. Right? Where do you get empathy from? You get empathy from your own lived experiences. I believe that based on my life experience, being raised by a single mom, you know, being involved in um, gun violence, you know. serving my community for for years, um, building a business from scratch, you know, um, in the different ways that I've served in the court system, that brings me empathy that I need. We need judges on the bench who get what the people of Brooklyn are going through, the struggles of everyday Brooklynites. We don't want judges on the bench who can't relate to the people that are showing up in front of them and so for me I'll be bringing that to the bench the, the ability to relate and um, commitment to community is Ooh. the other criteria that we should be looking for in a judge um you know oftentimes we hear about candidates who are running for office um, all of a sudden now you want to do community service Like mm. all these years you haven't been doing community service but because you want people to vote for you yeah. but I doing some food pantry
3: work right?
0: say <laughs> like, <about> some
1: politicians
0: <laughs> right so you
1: taking a snapshot with yeah. the food pantry at a food pantry does not mean that you've been dedicated to your community you, yeah, so but you for me <laughs> I have a track record I try to put it up on my website my website is lolo I put all my service everything that I've been doing is right there on the website so you see that for me this is not just about being a politician this is about serving the people of Brooklyn on the bench. What was the name
0: of the website? com. So, my first name, last name, dot com.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, just to so, again- so, let me ask you all.
1: Let me ask you all. Oh, she's
2: coming with that Brooklyn swagger. She's like, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: Let's back up a minute, okay? <laughs> okay. So, y'all... You all voted for judges
3: before, or do you skip that part of the ballot? I Let me give you all this. I've skipped that. I'll be honest. You skipped it?
1: Yeah. And was... you, you're honest. I like you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, tried, what about you, to... Have you voted for judges? And if so, what have you looked at to determine... to pressure, you... man? <laughs>
2: right, a...
0: Just a little bit.
2: Just okay. a little bit. <laughs> I always say this to people, and it always shocks them. I've worked with a lot of politicians and I know a lot of politicians and I even helped some politicians get elected. But believe it or not, I've never voted a day in my life. (laughs) Like I've never. Yeah, I never. Uh uh, I've never.
0: never, I was
3: wondering why you sat back like it was a confession.
2: You was like, (laughs) oh,
0: you saw that,
2: right? You saw that. I've never partake. I've never never partake in that form of activity Um, i can say (laughs) i didn't become a citizen of the united states of america um through neutralization up until my senior year of undergrad and since then i had already saw the way the world was shaped oh that long um yeah out of when i graduated out of college my first internship was working um on a political campaign of mark levine when he ran for city council Mm-hmm. Um, in Manhattan, um, which he won. He's now the Manhattan borough president. He recently got awarded by Snap's media group. You see, I got a couple of those awards in here. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, um, so, so, yeah, we, we in tune still. And, you know, um, we worked on the political c- campaign of, um, Mercedes Narcisse. You, let me ask a question. Are you voting this November? <laughs> you know what? I, um, oh, I'm
1: still getting to that because I gotta get on my soapbox for a minute. So I'm wait
2: for you to land. technically <laughs> I can't vote for you, Miss Mullamick, because you're not know in my you district.
3: I don't
1: plan to stay on in civil court forever. You know? <laughs>
3: yeah. I hear um, you.
1: And for for me, what I tell people is, listen, you can decide not to vote. But still understand that decisions are being made about who represents mm-hmm. you. So it, instead of not doing anything, how about you exercising your right I that our ancestors? Told our ancestors. So diligently for, you can't just ignore no,
2: that. No, no, no. My ancestors fought for something very bad <laughs> Oh, like, gosh. Oh, Lord.
1: nice
2: so, where you are now. I'm Haitian, so my ancestors, <laughs> they, they chop heads off and burnt down homes. Like, you know, they, were, they, they weren't doing now, sit-ins right? like Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're a citizen now, sir. You're a
0: citizen
2: now. Yeah, yeah, you know. Okay.
1: You know. You chose, said, yeah, you, yeah. Chose to, you chose to naturalize. You
2: chose to become a Who citizen. are you on, bro? <laughs> okay? But so. remember the first word: neutralize. <laughs> so I'm neutral oh. in this
0: lies.
2: <laughs> I'm neutral within oh, the well, lies. That's American.
0: That's American. Buzz.
2: We're going to have to. I'm going to toast to this that. one. We're not toasting. We're not toasting. We're not toasting. <laughs> <laughs> you bad. I, I am mad. They're uh. not toasting this one, okay? They're going to vote for you. They're going to vote for you. Yeah,
3: I, I think she's very real. I think yeah. she's very real. real. Which is which is perfect for anybody who's running for anything. You want somebody who's real, like you were saying. You don't want somebody who just started taking pictures just to win. You want them who was doing it from the beginning to the end of you know their career. Hmm. So, and from what I hear, she's been through it. You know, she's gone grinding from the bottom. Pretty much the American dream, in a sense. You know.
2: Oh, we got someone coming in. Melanie Davis said, "Our ancestors literally fought, bled, oh, and amen. died for the right to vote." That's your ancestors. My my ancestors was the one that was killing, and we 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 was killing. I just want to be clear. I'm
3: drinking because he's fighting. (laughs) Two different ancestors. (laughs) Uh, But I agree
0: with Melody there. You're here
1: now. You know, when you're. I think
3: Melody works for you, right? I think Melody works. You know, uh, so I'm gonna have to get melody
1: on my on my team, and we're gonna have to find you where you live and try
3: to. Oh you know, uh, man, she's really you. from Brooklyn. She's <laughs> right.
1: she gonna find I, out where I live. She's gonna
3: be
2: outside. She's gonna run down on me. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: I can use I can use the Google now. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. So you know, again, participating in your civic duty is important. Mm. Um, all around and um mm-hmm. life is still passing us by whether or not we choose to participate in it in it. you know it's passing us by so what do you have to lose mm-hmm. when participating
2: one thing i could say is i see a lot more african-american women participating more than i see african-american men like i don't see as much african-american men running for office as i see african-american women running for office mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and the question is why is that
2: I don't know. I feel. I, said, I feel like I'm, in I'm, general, a lot of African American men they lack um, one the background for it, the education, the leadership. charisma, the leadership ability. But even like the clean background, like I think that's the first thing. The education. Not a lot of us went to college, graduated, actually right. have a decent resume it's, when they it could leave. It lead.
3: falls back to the fatherhood, man. That's one thing that's been killing that's our, our African American especially in america it's fatherhood we don't got much fathers man at least you know for my even my father who came from jamaica came out here you know he barely knew his father so then i barely know my father and it's like we have until that cycle ends it's gonna be a lot of young men getting ticked for my example of you know having a warrant out with over 10 tickets that i didn't pay Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, just not having a father to be like, hey, be Mm -hmm. responsible. Mm -hmm. is just all it takes for somebody to get an arrest warrant, go to jail and mess up their record. It just takes one time.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And you just, it's lack of leadership, big brother leadership Mm -hmm. too.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: you're absolutely right on on the mentorship. You know, um, I just... Finished a panel right before I came on with you guys and um, one of the questions that they asked me is what made you want to become a judge now I knew I wanted to become a lawyer for from a very young age but I didn't know that I wanted to become a judge until I started working in the court system for a judge
0: right mm-hmm.
1: and having mentorship is so important mm-hmm. you know like I said I ran two years ago I had no support whatsoever and if I didn't win right because I didn't have the support and so support makes all the difference a lot of people choose not to run for political office because they feel like they wouldn't have the support no one can run a campaign by themselves
0: you need
1: support sometimes sometimes you need the institutional support right mm-hmm. but I, maybe one of those issues is the fact that men are not able to get the support that they need to actually run mm-hmm. running for office not only do you need the expertise and the resources, but you need the money mm. to run. You need, you know, the support of the community to run. Mm-hmm. And a lot of black men might not be getting that.
3: Yeah, a right? Lot of them the
1: other part people. is, um, <laughs> you know, for me, uh, I know I've spoken to some men about running for Dutch. In their minds, they make more money, mm-hmm. you know, being in private practice, yeah. right? Mm. They, they have to support their families, right? They have to support their families. They got to, I'm not saying women don't have to do that too. Um, mm. Yes, we do. But men, whenever they're, you know, they're the breadwinners of their family. And for them, they see being in private practice, owning their own businesses as more financially um, stable than uh, being a judge. Not not That's financially true? stable, but they can make more money. Mm-hmm you know, hustling and doing whatever they need to do as opposed to, you know, judges don't, you know, you have a set fee, I mean, a, a set salary and that's it. You know, you, you bring up go, a good point there.
2: And you can't go yeah, so, and make so, money on the um, side? Say that again? You can't <laughs> go and make money on the side?
1: Nope, nope. Judges are prohibited from doing anything on the side. So once you become a judge, that's it. You can't do And business
0: you're limited on a, to your
1: income okay. that the state gives you. Whereas as a Practicing attorney, you can do any kind of business that brings in money, right? Okay. So that's another reason in my mind why a lot of men don't do it. Okay,
3: mm, I did not yeah. know that. Okay, but that's yeah. a good point. Um, during 2020, I was working um at Carver Bank, and I was getting we was getting a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. During that time, I was such a mixed feeling because people were going for you know instead of working for somebody getting the salary everyone wanted to work for themselves Mm. right and when you bring up the judge thing i i find a lot of people when they told me they wanted to work for themselves they found that it was amazing because they could work whenever they want that was their favorite part but you know being in the bank i was realizing that you know the people who actually made money were the people who worked 24 7 on their business in terms of they didn't take no breaks. They didn't wake up at 10 o'clock because they worked for themselves. They woke up the same time as if they were going to the bank, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you bring up the judge and the guy chose um, my practice rather than mm-hmm. being the judge getting it a set salary, mm-hmm. I find that a lot of guys, not and maybe not just guys, but I do know a lot of guys want freedom. Mm-hmm. They don't want exactly. to feel restrained, even in relationships. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And that's the key. Like, that's one thing, that's one sacrifice I had to make going into the court system. Because remember, I said that I had my own business mm-hmm. as a lawyer. I had my own law firm
0: mm-hmm.
1: for almost 10 years. Oh, and the autonomy, you know, that I had, you know, you're working harder with your own business. Don't get me wrong. You're working harder because you got to bill on top of it all the time, right? But you knew that the money that you made was your own. You can hustle as much as you need to. I remember, you know, when I would get pregnant and I needed to go on maternity, I would wind down, practice a little bit. But then when I got back from maternity, I can ramp it up again, because now I got to make money for the daycare. Make it up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just, with, with your own business, you can, make it do what you needed to do yeah. right but as a as a judge or an employee for mm-hmm. that matter you gotta report to work you get a you have to get permission to get off for work yeah. you get a fixed salary that is not you know a variable it's yeah. fixed and a lot of people don't like that you know it's, it's kind of like a you know like it's like it's very repressive yeah I, I it's, it's
3: consistent know. but it's not you know people yeah. like fluctuation i guess right <laughs> yeah
1: right because that's the thing with the business you know you always have to be one step ahead like i need to have enough money to pay my bills next year. so there's always that
0: mm-hmm. at the
1: back of your mind as yeah. a business owner yeah. but you know i really enjoyed my time when i was um you know in, in private practice but there are benefits to both sides you know like cool. you said um, sometimes the consistency is a good thing. Yeah. you know, knowing I know that my paycheck is going to be my account every yeah. two weeks. Otherwise, we're gonna have I'm not a gonna
3: have a bad week.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody's gonna have a bad week. Okay, everybody.
2: Yeah. So, you I know,
1: um, it, it's a you know, it's it pros and cons to both. Mm.
2: Growing up in Brooklyn and having such a diverse background and such a high level of education. What are some advice that you could share with the youth that may be watching? Mm
1: -hmm. You know, for me, a big thing is perseverance. That's my word for this year. Mm. Persevering regardless of your situation. Um, Nothing works out the first time. I've certainly had a lot of experiences where things didn't work out the first time, but not giving up. Being persistent, working hard, surrounding myself with positive influences, getting a mentor or, you know, some mentorship, Mm -hmm. educating myself. All those things work collectively to make you achieve your your dreams and your goals. Um, It's never nothing in life. is easy. Nothing gets handed down to you. Mm -hmm. Right. So first. Trying to figure out where you're going, depending on what age you are. You're trying to figure out what direction am I going? I didn't know. I didn't go to to law school, actually. I was almost 30 when I went to law school. Mm -hmm. So this is not something that, you know, I, like I said, I didn't grow up wanting to do this. So, but when you finally figure out what you want to do, you just need to pursue it with everything that you have. And that's what I did. Um, once i discovered i wanted to be a lawyer i gave everything up i had a house when i went to law before i went to law school i was ready because i bought my first house at 21. Right. i had a house i had a company car i had my personal car mm-hmm. i had invested in a nice little subwoofer because i like a little boom boom coming that out of the before, car and
3: that was before
1: law school you said that was before law before school. before the and debt yeah. was awesome. that was before law school yeah. and when i discovered that in order to find purpose in my life my purpose was to serve people and once i made that decision of being a lawyer Was the path to go? I had to give everything up. I sold Mm. my car. I sold my house. I gave everything up and started from scratch. And I have not regretted it one bit, except for the student loans part. You know, like I. (laughs)
3: Nobody
2: like that. Sometimes you gotta lose to win. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to lose to win. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Times you gotta. And I forget who gave this analogy with the rubber band because so you got to pull the rubber band back
0: mm-hmm.
1: to propel that thing forward. My husband is over here waving that he's the one that used the analogy. Yeah. So I'm gonna-
3: <laughs> Give him his credit, right? <laughs> yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. We're gonna credit um, my friend Waterman with that analogy. Yeah. You know, so in, in, in order to move forward, sometimes you gotta go back, right? Yes. And, you know, the sooner you realize that, the better. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret ever going back and if, giving if up uh, all those things to get to my now where i'm at today
2: what do you feel like is the biggest difference in the generation from when you grew up to the to the generation that your children's growing up in now i've
1: definitely hands down a sense of entitlement like i never grew up thinking my parents owed me stuff or like or that society owed me stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um i knew from a very very young age that i needed to work hard. You know, I remember my mom had several businesses. And in order for me to do what I needed to do, guess what? I had to be an employee of one of her businesses. So Ooh. just like she would get up at six o'clock, so she was doing um, wedding hall decorations, you know, like the what do they call an event planner. Mm-hmm. So it's an event planner. So when she going in at six o'clock in the morning, guess who was right there with her? Because I needed to make some have the life that I wanted to have in high school. <laughs> so, you know, having, it- making sure and it's it's incumbent on us as parents to make sure that even if we have something not just giving it to your kids you know without them earning it Mm. right they have to earn it because that's the way you get a sense of value for anything you have anything that is given to you without you having to work hard for it may slip through your fingers just like that because you got it easy true Right?
0: That's what, they That's what we see with the deed money.
1: issue going on right now <laughs> yeah. with all the gentrification and losing houses. Because if you didn't have to work 50, 60 years yeah. paying off that mortgage, once you get the property, you're you don't realize that like you're that. sitting on a $1.3 million house. Yeah. Right? And you just let it end up in foreclosure because you don't understand the value of what you have. Ooh. So for me, the, the Raised
2: different a very cost a of
1: generation mm-hmm. then and the generation now is a sense of entitlement. People don't want to be told what to do. People don't want to be told that they're wrong. People True. don't believe, like, I remember like growing up, it, it wasn't just my parents that could talk to me. You know, Miss Jackson down the street can say something. Everybody
3: to me was giving lessons. It was something that, you know, that I shouldn't be doing and the teachers everybody but now it's, right. it's so sensitive now i feel like right is so...
1: the teacher can't say nothing yeah you know the she just has to take it yeah no, no adult can speak to you no more because they're gonna get attitude yeah you know so things have just really changed egos
3: a lot of egos a lot yeah. of big egos <laughs>
1: yeah. and to, to this to a certain extent i think the legal system has helped to cause that right
0: because yeah. when, when the
1: teacher says or uh, knows that if they say something they're going to have a lawsuit on their hands who gonna afford the nothing.
3: lawyer <laughs> that is very true mm. nobody want to go through the law so
2: <laughs> as a judge what legacy would you like to leave behind
1: so for me um, again service service it, it always comes down right down to service um, I want people to look at me as a judge representing the people of so by the way just because I'm running in Brooklyn does not mean that I'm going to end up serving in Brooklyn they can put me in Queens they can put me in Manhattan they can put me in the Bronx but I want people to look at my body of work and know that I truly believe in serving the people I believe in knowing the law I believe in applying the the laws that I know equitably Serve the people of New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, and that's a legacy that I wanna I want people to understand that I'm a community dirt judge. I'm a judge who lives, breathes in the community, and that I have the interest of my community at the forefront of every decision that I make.
0: Mm-hmm, oh,
1: will
3: make. I, I feel the passion. I feel like being <laughs> my chest on this, man. <laughs> I feel the passion. Right? <laughs> That's what,
1: that's
3: what I Make sure it's not what about. you're sipping on. Nah. <laughs> I can handle two more
2: of these, but you got me turned up. We're <laughs> drinking a gentleman's jack, Good. you know? Nothing. I thought it was apple juice. It's apple juice. <laughs> oh, you thought it was apple juice? I love it. I
0: love it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know.
1: You know, again, you know, it, it's a place, I, I want to certainly be approachable. So they usually sometimes would say something about an activist life and how judges are not supposed to be activists,
0: yes.
1: um, because again, you should be taking the law as written, taking the facts in front of you and bringing those two together. Yeah, they don't want
3: you to put feelings and, into it, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah. but, but where I would disagree with that mm. is, even though we have the law, Um, judges can also exercise discretion in certain areas, right? Mm. So are you the judge that wants to turn a blind, blind eye to a situation and not use your discretion in a positive way? I don't want to be that judge. So to the extent that the law allows me to bring in my discretion, deciding cases because some laws are written like that some laws from the legislature are written that you know because the legislators are are the the legislators are not in the courthouse they're not in the courtroom They can for example visualize the credibility of the witness because they're not there
0: Mm.
1: right so but they leave it up to the judge the judge is the one looking at the witness the judge is the one that can get a sense of is this witness telling the truth or not Mm. and so you would say we're going to leave it to the function of the court. So that means the judge has some flexibility. Yes, that's right. important in information.
3: The, I did not know that.
1: Right. So the case is, how do you use your discretion? Are you using your discretion in a manner that is not equitably serving the people of Brooklyn?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or are you using it to create equity in your courtroom? And my position is my job whenever... I'm given discretion is to use it in a way that provides that justice, fairness, and equity in my
2: courtroom. Uh-huh. I hear you. I hear you. You sure? right yeah. 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 So, what you think of what she said so far for the night, Craig? For the, I mean, I was pretty much clear on it, man. I'm. She.
1: I got some questions for y'all now. I'm not done with my
3: questions. Oh, all right, go ahead. Like, Give us the question
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
3: <laughs> No fear over here. You know, it's Brooklyn. <laughs> so, so,
1: well, well, maybe now I have one. So what, what would you guys, what would you say you want to see in a judge, mm. right? So I know Ricky don't vote, but we're going to change that this year. <laughs> but if you were to vote for a judge, like, what would you be looking for?
2: I mean, from my experiences with judges, um, I would say a judge that actually listens to both sides and I understand from a personal perspective. I could say that um, most of the time, from my recollection, from me being in court, it was for criminal, um, mostly petty things. But you know, nine times out of ten, there's judges that'll hear the entire story. fully understand the scope of the case and there's judges that they just see you as a piece of paper like okay, get through it like they just don't even look up at you they just like okay throw the paper and then you hear guilty they don't even look at you and tell you
0: what their decision is or what
2: it is you know i see that happens a lot at dmv court (laughs) that's the only one (laughs) Right? yeah so it's like you know that's what you gotta do it and i know when it comes to lawyers like it's very expensive like i did pre-law in undergrad and then I had tried to get into law school um i did the lsat about three times got waitlisted twice and then after a while i got into uh, my master's program I ended up doing my master's um while on the waitlist for cardoza law school mm-hmm. and so i ended up getting the masters from fordham and i was trying to get licensed as a um, clinical social worker prior to trying um law school once again but i understand the scope of how it, it is and how it goes um the law field is kind of really racist you know especially when it comes to men i remember mm-hmm. going for a uh, interview like i remember graduating with a pre-law degree um trying to get a job as a paralegal even that was hard especially breaking into the private right. practices and trying to get a job with the private practices as a paralegal and trying to get fair pay at the time back then fair, fair pay was like 45 dollars. dollars like back then that was a lot mm-hmm. back then and even trying to get that much you know um, right. Even in the, the boutique law, law um, offices, I remember one time I went to um, an interview. Once again, um, Mark Levine, like I had him on my resume. So when right. me and the white guy went to a, um, an interview and we stood right next to each other and the guy looked at the resume and he was like, Ricard, you know, well, and he looked at the white guy thinking that he's, he's me because of uh-huh. the resume. And then the guy ran out of his head like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I just bust right. out pretty- laughing. And then he was like, Wait, is that you? And I'm like, Yeah And then he was like, Oh he's like, like, You have a very impressive resume, but we're we're Mm -hmm. not hiring at the moment. And I'm like, Oh, so you're interviewing Mm -hmm. for a position that you're not hiring for, that's interesting. Wow And and me now being a director, I know better now because I'm a hiring manager, (laughs) so I know better now. (laughs) So like, even understanding that you point. You became a
3: better judge of character.
2: Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm a judge too, <laughs> so, Loki. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So, you know, like, even going to, like, the small boutique firms in Queens and then going to the big firms in Manhattan and try to apply. Even my internship, the only place I was able to find an internship at, like, during pre-law was at an all-black law firm. And even then, you know, I saw the struggles that they had to deal with as black lawyers, you know? and. Right. I learned a lot from and that. And that goes back
1: to what you said earlier, Ricky, right? Mm-hmm. About um, us needing the mentorship. Why do a lot of black men don't go for positions such as, you know, running for judge? Um, because of all the barriers, the microaggressions and everything else that we see out there. Mm-hmm. And so they decide, guess what? I'm just going to start my own practice. And that's where you find a, a lot of um, black men, if they're not working for a city agency, they're they have their own thing going on and some of them go to law school get their law degree and don't even practice law you know it's just to have that education that training and they go into other areas of the law mm-hmm. so you know again everything you know as as much as people like to act like it doesn't exist we know that discrimination still exists it's still mm-hmm. out there maybe not as blatantly as it used to be. Um, but that's why we need more of us. We need to push more of us out there to pave the path for the rest of us to come. Right. So getting more judges of color, getting more lawyers of color, getting more, you know, in every profession. Yes. More and more and more of us so that then we want to make it the norm. Right, it's close to an exception to the rule, but now we start to make it the norm. But it takes combined and collective effort to get this there, and it takes perseverance, which is my word of the year.
0: Perseverance, yes. yeah. just
1: working hard to make sure that we're pushing each other forward, lifting each other up, mentoring each other, and just being supportive overall.
2: Yeah, yes, I agree. I see way more black female judges than black male judges. <laughs> absolutely lifetime. for those reasons mm-hmm. all i want yeah, from my
3: perspective to answer your question i for a judge because i've always grew up watching law i'm a fan of law i still watch judge judy <laughs> no, I, I watch yeah. more entertainment law but now like suits and you know even the show on netflix called lucifer and involves detective work i've always been into you know the finding out the truth of things
0: mm. right
3: and even in the financial field i'm i'm you know it's all about the honesty and the paperwork in terms of so when i think about a judge you know childhood judges you know uncle phil Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) (laughs) but it was that term of you know the power and he was still honest i think when i think about a judge i know the law even many shows will show that the law can be persuaded Mm -hmm. but the judge makes a decisive decision on the story you know, right. and I would just want mm-hmm. the judge to have like an honest
2: opinion, a fair judge. Right. Yes, exactly. a fair judge.
1: that's it. Ooh. That's what most people ask. I, you know, I often say that um, when you come to court, you know, you have a chance of winning and a chance of losing. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we already know that that's just the nature of uh, court proceedings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I found is um, when you come to court and you feel like you, you had a fair judge, a judge that actually listened to you, a judge that actually applied the law in a proper way, even if you did not win your case, you still leave with knowing that you had your day in court. Yeah. And that's what most people want. Yeah, They want the to problem. know that the fair is just it. Yeah.
3: They didn't want to. They didn't want to feel like they were scammed, you know, <laughs> or finessed <laughs> by the
1: cops. Yeah. Right. They want to feel heard. They want to feel validated. They they want to you know feel like that the judge saw them as a person, like you said, you know, when the judges handing your decision and didn't even look you, didn't even look you in the eye. Yeah. Like what 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 kind of fairness or justice is that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, most times it takes the judge in relatable and engaging with the people in front of them, mm.
2: you know. We at the one minute mark. So yes. give them your closing thought and your greatest pitch. Oh,
1: Lord. First of all, go out to vote. I need y'all to vote. If you are a citizen and you <laughs>
0: have the right to vote, you must vote. I feel all right? and I don't want
2: <laughs> to if I haven't.
1: A criminal record. I don't want
0: to hear anything about that because
1: even people with criminal records can vote. You just need to make sure that you re-register once you are released from incarceration. Go back, re-register. Your right to vote is important.
3: All right, Lola. <laughs> um, we gotta get her back on to say bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went a little over. It went fast.
0: That yeah. one minute.
3: I mean, yeah, we, we went a little over, but it was good.
2: It was good hearing. Yeah, but we started a little late. Have ah, pun. Good hearing.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, closing thoughts? What you got? Oh, While we wait for her to come back, if she comes back.
3: Um, we said a lot, but I, I think it all comes down to um, education, man. Mm. Self education about lo- life skills. Mm-hmm. Law, finances, know your rights. We got to push that more than ever to, so if kids could actually, not just kids, but young adults can actually, you know, not end up going to DMV like we did for court things. Mm-hmm. You know, not getting, you know, like she said, um, these little petty crimes put in an arrest record on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to stay on top of our rights. Facts, facts. Stay on top of our financial education, our house squatter rights, all of them, man. These are the main things that schools don't teach us. Mm. And if you don't pick the certain degree, you don't really get to hear about it either. True. That's terrible True. in the sense of, imagine being 25 and you know nothing
2: about law and finances. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of different institutions take advantage of people's ignorance, including church, mm-hmm. unfortunately.
0: Mm mm-hmm.
3: Because they just, everybody just trying to
2: eat. <laughs> yeah.
3: Bite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess Lola hit us with the, um,
2: she's on to her next podcast. Or maybe yeah, she said it was a great opportunity. We'll see if she joins back to say mm-hmm. goodbye. Um, I would like to say overall, like, again, the platform that we've been able to create and the platform that we've been able to build and the people that we've been able to sit down and have these conversations with, you know. Um, technology affords it to us, but at the same time the platform has to be built in order for them to come. So I've been fortunate and we've been fortunate in order to reach this pinnacle in time where we can sit down and speak Guess to, back. to judges. a touch screen, yes. Yeah, to speak to judges <laughs> and speak to individuals. Lola, you back, yeah. We Lola. just wanted to give you a formal send-off, yes, you know. You know? Um, we we oh, were oh, I'm closing
1: sorry. To us.
0: Yes, I thought it was
2: done. No, no, no. And we back on. Yeah. Okay,
1: we put in extra minutes for you.
2: Yeah, so yeah. go ahead. and <laughs> Give them a proper send-off, Lola. It's yeah. your moment of shine. Th-
1: that's... You know, that was basically my gist. Um, Again, thank you all for this opportunity. I felt like this was a great conversation. It was great to be here and great to swap, you know, um, some knowledge and information and experiences. You know, it's always important to be civically engaged. And again, um, I'm looking forward to being one of your next civil court judges in 2024. Uh, So please do look out for me if you live in any of those areas that I mentioned. First Stuyvesant, Crown Heights, Fort Green, Clinton Hill, and East New York, meaning the Ocean Hill part. Mm-hmm. You'll see my name on your ballot in November. Please vote Lola Waterman. Of all course, right. Of I appreciate course. you all. Thank you all for having me here. This is great. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. And thank you to the host. Y'all was marvelous. And you kept the conversation going and kept oh. us fun. And it
0: kept
3: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We did yeah, it. Of course, of
2: course. <laughs> and you're going to win, of course, because you know, Mercedes Narcisse. It took her three chances to win. when she got with us, she won, of course. Um, <laughs> no prizes. Monique, <surprises. laughs> yeah. Monique yes. Chandler Warderman, she won too. We we went to her inauguration. So you're gonna be the third. So no, actually the fourth. <laughs> who's the, no first, fifth. Who's fifth. The fifth. First guy. fifth. Um, <laughs> the first one would be um, Mark Levine, right? And then it would be uh-huh. Bill De Blasio. Then it oh, yeah, would be The plaza. I forgot. Eric Adams. Remember M- M- we were used to work with him yeah. since he was Brooklyn Borough that President. for 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. And then um Mercedes Narci City Council. And then Monique Chandler Waterman, uh Assemblywoman. Monique. And now you. Yeah. Judge. That's six. Yeah. <laughs> so 2024 is looking Judge good. Judge Waterman. Judge Waterman.
0: Amen. So, I'm claiming yes. it and putting it out there in the universe. Of course, you got it. You got it. You right. So, thank you again.
2: So, to close out, you're going to pray for us, Judge Waterman, um, First Lady.
1: Well,
2: you're, the, you're the pastor, now. You're the pastor. Everybody yeah. But, yo, when people come on the show, we always give them this opportunity to pray on the real word, you know? Yes.
1: Okay, okay. Well,. Um, our Heavenly Father we worship you and bless you and exalt you. Thank you for this Opportunity to be together as your children sharing and Empowering one another we Thank you for your love. We thank you for peace. We thank you for grace and we pray that as we go our separate ways Help us to be the champions that you need us to be in spreading your word and doing the work and in helping your people Thank you for all our family members. Thank you for all of us, our supporters who are listening in today. We pray that you bless everyone and um, bring us all back together again, safe and sound um, until next time. Thank you Father God for your love and it's in Jesus' name
2: that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you very much Judge Waterman for that awesome prayer and for gracing our platform with your presence. We thank you very much for being here with us. We thank all of you for joining us tonight and your continued mm-hmm. support that you continue to provide the real word ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to have the feed the homeless. Once again, shout out to Mon- um, Mahogany Jewels for once again, her um, generous contribution and for electing us as a nonprofit, you know, guys, for the last few years, we've been doing the feed the homeless initiative. We fed so far over 3000 people um, in the last few years. Um, so we want to continue to do so, and we could do it with your support. So, so far, we've raised $500 for this initiative. And so we're going to continue to partner up with the people that we partner up with. We also have the Art Gala, um, the art Gallery Gala coming up soon. So watch out for that. We partner up with the Brick Network. Um, you can also catch us on the Brick Network every Tuesday and Thursday at one at four and at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um also you could catch us on YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Instagram and Facebook everywhere um that you could watch podcasts and video, the real word TV, just put the real Word TV and the real Word ministries inc. So we thank you all for joining us. God bless and good night. Peace out. It's the
0: real it's the world, world. world. It's the world, world. world.